As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You're listening to the Beat Goes On podcast, bringing the lighter side of news, pop culture, and everything in between. Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Beat Goes On podcast. Your host here, Allie Rose, and we are at the tail end of summer. Yeah, only about a month left. And depending on your location, some kids may have already went back to school. I know here in the northern Nevada area, most kids already went back to school. Coming up after the news, I have an interview with makeup artist Jennifer Locanis. So stay tuned for that. And without any further delay, let's jump into the news. Ottawa, Canada Mayor Jim Watson has come out as gay at age 58 in an essay in the Ottawa Citizen. Watson noted that he was elected to the Ottawa City Council at age 30 and called his coming out 40 years too late. Watson has served as mayor for nine years. My reluctance has not allowed me to live my life as full of love and adventure as my gay friends who were bolder and braver than I ever was, said Watson. Watson called not coming out sooner a big mistake on his part. Most of my friends through the years got married and had kids, and they traveled down a separate road filled with family, soccer practices, and their careers. Most of my friends who are gay are quite open about it, and many are in wonderful relationships, or in several cases, married. That leaves someone like me who, while closeted, didn't fit either of these groups. The mayor said that there was not really one eureka moment that prompted him to write his op-ed, but cited two moments that pushed him toward it. The first was a tweet received after announcing he would fly the rainbow flag at City Hall during the Sochi Olympics in Russia, which said, This is a stupid waste of time. You've lost my vote. Watson's response went viral. If you have that point of view, I really don't want your vote. The second incident was a man who approached him in the park and told him, before that year's pride parade, I hope you're not going to that fag parade. Watson advised those in the closet, don't feel pressured or rushed to come out, but don't wait 40 years either. Taylor Swift says she's going to re-record the masters of her earlier songs to regain control over them after her catalog was sold in a recent blockbuster business deal. Swift told CBS News that she's going to create the new masters to offset the deal. It put the earlier versions in the hands of a music mogul, Scooter Braun, a talent agent with whom Swift has had a contentious relationship. In June, Braun got the rights to Swift's masters and more when his media holding company, Ithaca Holdings, acquired Scott Borchetta's Big Machine label group for a reported $300 million. In a Tumblr post at the time, Swift accused Braun of manipulative bullying and claimed she only learned of the deal as it was announced to the world. That deprived her of the opportunity to buy back her music. When artists own their masters, they not only have control over the recordings, they typically rake in a lot more money. Randa Raglan in Pinson, Alabama received a letter in the mail with no return address, no name, just words. She opened it and it was pretty much shaming her for her yard. She says that the letter accused her of not caring about her home. 
The sender wrote that your eyesore is affecting the resale value of our homes and that she needed to do better. Raglan said, at first I felt a little angry, but so much has been going on with us and our family, I didn't have the energy to be negative. That's because her focus has been on her family, especially her three-year-old son, Jackson. He's autistic and nonverbal, Raglan said, but a few days before his third birthday is when he was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, stage four cancer. Throughout his life, Jackson has been hospitalized over 20 times and has had seven surgeries. In an attempt to encourage her Facebook friends to be empathetic and kind to their neighbors, Raglan made a Facebook post with the letter and Jackson's story. My whole point was to show people you don't know what somebody is going through. Kindness goes such a long way. Gratitude goes such a long way. The next thing she knew, a lawn care service arrived at her home and cut her grass, no questions asked. But it didn't stop there. Dozens of volunteers organized and jumped into action. Some rushed to the store to pick up some supplies for Raglan's family. Others grabbed chainsaws and pitched in to tidy up her home. Every person that showed up to Raglan's home Saturday afternoon was a complete stranger to her. The group assisting Raglan's family has dubbed themselves Jackson's Army for Justice. They're prepared to support the family every step of the way. She says, I'm in amazement. I'm still in shock. I don't have a large family. My mom is gone. My dad is gone. My brother is gone. So this means a lot. The family is still in need of support. To assist with Jackson's medical bills, donate to the family GoFundMe page. Volunteers are also needed, especially those with home improvement skills. Anyone wishing to provide their services may contact Kimberly Quick at kadavis.1968 at gmail.com. Sisters Zaria and Haley Willard of Dover, Maryland, are encouraging children to read more by reading bedtime stories to online kids all over the world. 13-year-old Zaria says, My sister and I love to read. It can further your comprehension, and it's a good way to escape from life. We were already reading to each other each night, but we thought it would be beneficial for children who may not have the same luxury. The sisters go live on Facebook and Instagram pages, Zaria X Haley, around 8 every night and read a book of their choice to ensure that children fall asleep to a good bedtime story. The sisters have been doing it since February. Eight-year-old Haley is the personality of the duo and says that the experience is fun. I mostly read Dr. Seuss books. It takes me into a whole different world when I'm lost in the book. I get a chance to put my personality in the book and act out the characters. It's really fun. Before they go live each night, the sisters go to the public Dover Library and pick out books, some they have read before and some they haven't. That's our process, Zarius says. We also try to make sure we pick out books that have black characters for representation. Most kids like us don't see that everywhere, so we try and make sure that it is represented. Black people can be heroes too, so we just want to show that. The sisters said the idea to read online to the other children came to them randomly one night. Our mom has been reading to us since birth, and that, in my opinion, has helped me develop a love for reading. My sister and I were lying in bed one night giggling about something when this idea came about. We presented the idea to my mom, and she agreed it would be great. At first, their mother, Victoria, wasn't too sure about the idea, but later had a change of heart. She says, I was hesitant at first because I really didn't want them online. 
It's scary. People are mean sometimes with their comments on other sites, and I didn't want their faces online either. I just didn't want them going through that. But they convinced me to do it, and I monitor everything so nothing gets out of hand. The sisters said the reception has been great. I like that people are waiting for us to go live every night, and they expect it, Zaria says. Miss Willard said she consistently gets messages from other parents or children asking them to go live each night. When we go on vacation sometimes, they have to make videos in advance and post them, Miss Willard says. If not, the people will message us asking why we didn't go live or what happened to the video. People actually look forward to it. But the sisters' love for reading doesn't stop there. They're writing a children's book collection as well. It's going to be about blended military families because that's what my family and I are, Zaria says. The sisters also plan to have read-aloud sessions at the Dover Public Library in the near future. Zaria is also working on a financial workbook that will teach kids how to write a check and balance a checkbook. It's what they used to teach us in school, but they don't do it anymore, so she's looking forward to that as well. And that's it for the news. I'm very excited to introduce my special guest for this episode, good friend of mine and makeup artist extraordinaire, Jennifer Lucanis. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, how did you jump into being a makeup artist? Um, well, I wouldn't say that I really jumped into it. I kind of more just fell into it. Um, I've been doing, I've been doing makeup for close to 20 years. Uh, it started out as you know just doing my friends' makeup for like prom uh, and special events and things like that in high school. Um, when I was a kid, I used to always go to my grandma's house for the summers and um, on school breaks. And I always remember vividly, like, the first thing I wanted to do was run to her makeup room and go through all of her makeup. She was an Avon lady, so she just had hordes and hordes of makeup. And it was the only thing I ever wanted to do when I went there was just go through all of her makeup. And so when I got into high school and then after high school when I graduated while I was at college, I always ended up doing my friend's makeup for, for Halloween, for proms, for dances, for special events. And then when my friends started getting married, I started doing their makeup for their weddings um, and it just kind of, it was always just something that I did just for fun for my friends and for family that it just, I really liked doing it. Um, I never thought it would be something that I would turn into, you know, a business or a career by any means. And it just kind of, it just kind of worked out that way. You know, I got a lucky break and somebody who knew people, uh, contacted me because I had done one of her friends, uh, makeup for their wedding. She was really, really pleased with it. And she contacted me and asked if I could do hers. And she was someone that was very well known in town and knew a lot of people and word of mouth just kind of got around. And a couple of years after that, I had a full fledged business, you know, with more clients than I could even book. You know, I have a six month waiting list now and, you know, I'm constantly turning people away because I just don't have the time or the resources to have that many clients. Well, it sounds like things have really accelerated into a positive direction with the makeup. Your profile lists a licensed professional. Yes. What, what license uh, would that be? 
Um, I have a makeup license through the Nevada State Board of Cosmetology. Uh, in the state of Nevada, a lot of states don't require that you have to be licensed or certified. Some states require that you have to go to a, like, a, do a full cosmetology program in order to do makeup. Uh, in the state of Nevada, if you're a freelance makeup artist, you are not required to be licensed. But if you want to be able to work in a salon, which is I do a lot of my clients in salons for like bridal and prom and stuff because they're getting their makeup done when they're getting their hair done. Uh, and so I just felt like it was a good business decision to get licensed. Um, and so you just have to apply through the board. You have to have a salon owner who is willing to vouch for your work and your, um, basically your, your character and the quality of your work in order to get licensed through the board as a makeup artist. You also have a strong online presence. I've seen you on Twitter, Instagram, and recently you started uploading YouTube videos. Regarding yes. those looks on Instagram and Twitter, I gotta say, they, they really blow me away. And somebody who's more musically inclined rather than visually, uh, artfully inclined, it, it's stunning. And you also, it seems like you have a lot of competition, but it's, it's also a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of upvoting each other in the social media atmosphere, I guess you could say. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there is a lot of competition um, just in the beauty community as a whole, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or YouTube. As a whole, the the beauty community is very oversaturated with a lot of um, makeup enthusiasts and people who are just trying to put their content and their work out there. Um, as far as you know, actual makeup artists who do client work and stuff like that, uh, it's not as saturated, but as a working makeup artist, it's definitely a lot harder to get seen because there is so much saturation, um, but it also helps that the looks and the work and the style that I do, you know, my own personal flair on the type of work that I do is very different from what a lot of other people are doing, so that definitely helps me to stand out. So I've also noticed the language of makeup artist as influencer and being on PR list. Um, what exactly is an influencer and how do you get on a PR list for a company? And which companies are you currently on the PR list for? Um, an influencer is basically somebody in any type of market, whether it's you know, makeup or fashion or pretty much anything who is able to sway popular opinion and influence them to purchase a product or, you know, think a certain way or any type thing like that. An influencer is basically somebody who just has any type of substantial influence within that community. Uh, I would not call myself an influencer whatsoever. Um, you know, it's just not, I don't have a lot of influence on it and that's not what my goal or what my content is geared towards. It's not that, you know, I don't mind when people, you know, use my affiliate codes or use my links because, you know, it helps fuel my coffee obsession, but it's, I'm by no means making a ton of money off of any of that kind of stuff. My social media does not put a lot of money in my pockets, that's for sure. Um, you know, so that's, that's what that is. Um... As far as being on PR, all of the companies who I'm on PR with were really just a lucky break. Um, either somebody that works for the company um, or in a couple of instances, the owners of the company saw my work 
they really liked what I was doing and the content that I was creating. Um, a lot of it is just that because my work is so different and unique and they really liked that. So it just, it wasn't because I had a ton of followers or because I was extremely influential. It was just more of my work was impeccable and it was different from something else that they had been seeing and they really liked that and they were willing to take that chance on me. There was a post regarding uh, a collab with Midas Cosmetics. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, actually Midas Cosmetics is um, an indie brand. Uh, who is owned by a very good friend of mine. Her name is Rocio Nunez. And when she started the brand, uh, she came to me and uh, it was they were still very new. And I had this idea and I went to her and was just like, hey, I have this idea for this palette. I really want to see these colors together in this color story. It's not something that I've seen before. And I just think that it would it would just work really well. And I told her my idea and she just, we ran with it. Um, we spent, you know, several months designing my palette and getting the colors just right. And several vendors trying to, you know, get the colors that we wanted to be in the same palette. And, you know, it was definitely a, a labor of love. You know, it was one of those things that it was... I just it was there was a lot of struggle and a lot of uh, tears involved with that one for me personally just because I I could see the vision and I knew how I wanted it to come out and I knew you know I wasn't willing to compromise on some of the colors that I wanted to be in my palette because they were crucial to the color story you know and it ended up coming all coming together and I was really really happy with it and uh, that was actually my very first collab that I've done with a brand. Um, and it just, it all worked out really well. Have you done any more collabs lately? Um, I have some stuff in the works that I, uh, am not at liberty to talk about at the moment. Uh, but I have, I've done two collabs with Midas. Um, and then I have a couple of others in the works with other brands, but I can't really talk about those. So that must've been really exciting once the finished product was out. Oh yeah. I cried when I got... When I got my palette in the mail and got to actually see it in person and, you know, and swatch it and touch the shadows and work with the shadows, like, I cried like a baby uh, when I got that. I was just, I was so overwhelmed with just, with gratitude for the opportunity, but also just filled with pride because, you know, I did that. You know, that was something that, you know, I, from beginning to finish, was involved with and handpicked and curated, and it was just a really, uh, for, for lack of a better term, a blessed moment for me. I could totally understand. So with regards to just general makeup, in gen I, I totally suck at makeup. What are some common mistakes that most people will do with makeup generally? Um, I think the biggest mistake that I run into when I'm trying to teach people how to use makeup is them not understanding their undertone and not understanding their shade range that they fall within. Either they're constantly picking foundations that are way too light or the wrong undertone or too dark in the wrong undertone. That's usually the biggest thing that I run into. Um, the second thing is, you know, people 
you know, they watch these YouTube videos or these IG tutorials and they try to do a, a YouTube look or an Instagram look that's meant to be photographed and displayed uh, for real life wear. And it's just not, it's not a feasible look to actually wear in person because makeup doesn't look the same when you photograph it or film it as it does in person. And, you know, when you're doing a look that's going to be photographed or filmed, the technique and the application are completely different than they are when you would just do your makeup for everyday wear to be, you know, to go out to the office or the grocery store or to prom or something like that. It's a completely different animal. And, you know, I don't think that a lot of people realize that, that the looks and the techniques that they see used on, you know, say Instagram or YouTube are not quite the same thing as what you would do to wear them face to face. Right. And with respects to the foundation, I noticed that the foundation I bought a couple months back before we were in summer is a bit lighter than what my skin tone is now because I'm usually out biking right. and out and around, out and about. So I that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I get a little frustrated. I was going to get dolled up the other night, and then I saw how light it was, and I said, "Well, sh this isn't going to work." You know, I'm not in my goth phase anymore. So I just put it back on the shelf, right. put the hair back in a messy bun, and went with that. Also, and, so and that happens a lot. A lot of people do that, and you know, most people buy a winter shade and a summer shade. But really the best thing to do is just to find your base shade and get a foundation adjuster and adjust it to lighter or darker accordingly. You're in Fallon, Nevada, and you're completely booked most of the yeah. time. Most of the time, yes. And you're also a full-time mother? Yes. And married? How do you find the time to do any of this? It's really hard. Um, most of my clients have to be scheduled either on weekends or in the evenings. Um, you know, in a couple more years when all my kiddos are old enough to be in school, it'll definitely free up a lot of my time to be able to take more clients during the day. Um, but for right now, most of my clients are, you know, booked on weekends or in the evenings. I work a lot of late hours seeing clients um, and a lot of, you know, 12, 14 hour days on the weekends doing, you know, clients for, for bridal parties or events that are coming up or for uh, runway shows that are happening in Reno and stuff like that. And so it's, it's, it's busy and it, it's hard. It's not easy by any means. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things that it's, it's a means to an end, you know, because in a few years, you know, my kids will all be in school. I'll have a lot more free time. And, you know, my ultimate goal is to be able to open up a makeup studio where clients can come to me and, you know, have their sessions at the studio and be pampered and get their makeup done. And I won't be having to work in somebody else's salon anymore doing makeup or, you know, having to freelance on location wherever they're at and traveling all around. And it'll just be a much nicer setup all around. So for our listeners who are in the Fallon, Nevada area or even in Reno, how would they be able to get a hold of you to book an appointment? Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is through my uh, Facebook page, uh, Jennifer Locanis MUA. You can find me on Facebook and look at my uh, my appointments and book online or contact me through there. Uh, you can also contact me through my website, which is locanismua.wix.com. And you also have Instagram and YouTube as well. I do. I do. I have 
I have a gamut of everything right now. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I have my blog up now. I even have a Pinterest page. <laughs> awesome. And you also have some affiliate links. I do. All my affiliate links are listed um, on my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is LocanusMUA. I'm LocanusMUA anywhere. If you want to find me, if you type in LocanusMUA, I will come up. Um, but all my affiliate links are listed there. I have uh, affiliate links with Gerard Cosmetics, uh, Midas Cosmetics, and Drenched Cosmetics right now. I also have a few more that will be coming in. I just don't have them listed yet. So. And I will also be listing some of your contact information in the show notes for the podcast. Yeah, so absolutely. Anybody listening can go ahead and have a look at it if they're in the area or if they care to fly out here to do that or even just travel, it'd be great. Yeah, well, and I also do traveling as long as it's, you know, within the northern Nevada region, I also do travel to clients. That's awesome. What advice do you have for up-and-coming makeup artists? Don't give up. You know, it's really, really hard for the first few years. Um, you're going to struggle finding work. You're going to struggle trying to get paid for your work. A lot of people are going to want you to do it for free because you're new and inexperienced. Um, and it's just, you know, the first few years are really, really hard. You're going to work 14, 16 hour days. You're going to have to stock your kit with your own money and you're going to be poor and tired and sore, <laughs> you know, from just working so many hours and putting all of the content that needs to be in your kit into it. You know, it's definitely not something that you want to go into thinking that you're going to make a quick buck or get rich quick and be famous or any of this kind of stuff because that's not what it is. Uh, some of the greatest makeup artists in the world, nobody knows who they are, you know, but inside the industry, people can look at their work and they know exactly who they are, you know, so it's definitely something you just got to, you just got to keep pushing through it and eventually you'll hit your break and you'll start picking up clientele and you'll start making money and companies and brands are going to want to work with you and designers are going to want to book you for their shows and, you know, you just got to keep pushing through the hard part. That's awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to promote? Um, you know, follow me. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, find me on my Instagram and my Twitter and, you know, just follow me and, you know, say hi. So you listeners out there, please give her a follow. Have a look at her posts on Instagram and Twitter. Check out her YouTube videos. And if you live in the area and you want your makeup done right, believe me, this girl knows her stuff. Jen, I want to thank you a thousand for taking the time out of your busy schedule and talking with me today. It's been awesome talking to you. No, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, we finally made it to the end of episode three. But before I go, I want to give a shout out to EJ Berg. EJ Berg is an artist who loves bunnies and all things geeky. Check out EJ's Teespring store for LGBT and cute bunny artwork on hoodies, t-shirts, leggings, phone cases, throw pillows, and more. I'll provide a link. I'll provide the link to EJ's store in the Beat Goes On podcast feed on Twitter and show notes or you can follow EJ on Twitter at EJBergTrans. That's E-J-B-U-R-G-Trans. 
That does it for this episode of the Beat Goes On podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at TBGO Podcast or Podbean. The Beat Goes On podcast.podbean.com or send an email with questions, grievances, complaints at the Beat Goes On podcast at gmail.com. Once again, I am your host, Allie Rose, and until next time, be good to yourself and be good to others, and no matter what happens in life, the beat goes on. Take care, y'all. Music for the Beat Goes On podcast is brought to you by Al Smosis.